It's just a delight for us to, to be here and to always share, and uh, we just appreciate this church. Cora and I always leave here being blessed and, and being encouraged to see and, and gives us a hope for the church and for the future. It really does. So um, I want to speak to you this morning about something important that your life actually depends on. Uh, Jesus made uh, a declaration And he was quoting from the Old Testament in Matthew 4 and verse 4. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So what Jesus is actually saying is that your whole life depends on hearing a word from God. Because as much as bread is food for your body, the word of God is is food for your spirit. And so hearing from God is your life source. And you cannot live life to its maximum if you do not hear from God. You cannot achieve your full potential in life without hearing from God. So I want to communicate some truths about hearing from God. And I think it's important in this season, especially when we prepare for the new year, to make sure that we we do hear from God uh, in that way. So I've entitled my sermon this morning, Hearing from Heaven. I'm going to use a fair amount of Scripture In fact, I said to the guys at the back there, they were very kind. I gave them all the scriptures that I intend to use in the sermon. And I said, it's basically the whole New Testament, if they can get it ready for me. So uh, thank you so much. So I also want to say this. What I'm sharing with you is extremely basic. Um, My main function uh, is that of a teacher. And teachers always start with A, B, C, 1, 2, 3, Do, Re, Mean. You start with a foundation. So this is foundational stuff. But sometimes it's good for us to get confirmation and affirmation about these things. So hearing from heaven, the first thing that I want to say is a very simple statement, and it's this. God has a voice. And um, it might surprise some people that God can speak. You know, Uh, In the world out there, they find it strange sometimes when you say, God spoke to me. And uh, they think it's weird that God can speak. But he's a speaking God. In fact, I I find it strange to try and convince people that God can speak. Because right in the beginning of Genesis, we see that God is a speaking God. He spoke, and the message paraphrase puts it this way in Genesis 1 and verse 3. It says, God spoke. Light and light appear. So God doesn't just speak. He speaks creatively. He creates when he, when he speaks. And uh, just incidentally, I'm reading from the Word of God. Duh. So God can speak words. And um, when God called Moses, it's, it's interesting that Moses had all kinds of excuses about why he could not go on this mission And um, one of his excuses was his ineloquence. And in Exodus 4, verses 11 and 12, God responds this way, and he says to Moses, and who do you think made the human mouth? Isn't it I, God? So get going. I'll be right there with you, with your mouth. I'll be right there to teach you what to say. So God made our mouths. God gave us the ability to speak. Therefore, he must have the ability to speak. 
Can you see why I find it strange when people cannot believe that when you say God spoke to me? So um, it, it's very interesting. Uh, still in, in, in Genesis chapter 3, when God spoke to Adam and Eve, it says they heard the sound of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid and I was, because I was naked and I hid myself. Now, very interesting, here's the first recorded question in the Bible, and it's God asking the question. In fact, the first two questions in the Bible, you can go and read about it, God asks. But we need to understand this. When God said to Adam and Eve, where are you? It's not that he didn't know. Because he knows. He knows everything. It was not out of um, ignorance that God asked the question, but it was to give Adam and Eve an opportunity to communicate with him. Because he knew exactly. He was giving them an opportunity to repent because his desire was to fellowship with them and, and give them that opportunity. So let me say this. God can speak to us even though we might not be in the right place. God is eager and he desires for us to, to come back to him. Now, I, I, I'm speaking human terms when I say God is eager, but he wants to communicate with you. And prayer is an invitation not just to ask God for things, but to actually enter into a discussion, a dialogue with him. Because prayer is not just a one-way conversation. And you need to hear from God. I like this invitation God gave to, to Jeremiah when he was in distress. And it says this in Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Call to me and I will answer you. That's what prayer should be. When we call on God, we need to be sensitive to hear from him. And he says, I will tell you great and unsearchable things that you do not know. And I'm going to speak about this, that God gave us the same kind of invitation. Think about this for a moment. You, as a puny mortal, you have an open invitation to converse with a God of the universe. Isn't that amazing? That this great God actually invites you and says, come and talk to me. Because, and, and, and this, this blew my mind. That means God actually enjoys my company. God doesn't find me boring. I'm sure you, you have some people that you find boring. Don't put your hands up. And don't call out any names. But isn't it amazing that God doesn't find you boring? Uh, and, and, and here's what I need to remind you of. I said God knows everything. You cannot tell him anything that he doesn't know. There's nothing new to God. And still he finds your fellowship with him interesting. This is clear evidence that God wants to, to fellowship with you. I, I, I don't know if, if you've ever been in the company of maybe a celebrity or some kind of a VIP and, and you, you kind of get tongue-tied because you may be scared of saying something stupid or something uninteresting, and, and, and you want to say something significant, something remarkable, something impressive or, or interesting, 
so that they don't find you boring or, or, or dreary. And you need to realize this. Nothing that you can say or do can impress God. But he still wants to talk to you. He still wants to enjoy your fellowship. That's the, the amazing thing. And, um, and, and, and so God has a voice. God wants to speak to you. And I, I, I need to emphasize this, and I'll come back to this later. God doesn't always speak to us audibly. In fact, it's the exception. But he has a voice. So here's the second thing that I want to say. God has a voice, but secondly, you can hear God's voice because he designed you to hear his voice. It's, let me again say, it's not strange. It's not weird. Not hearing God's voice is weird. So um, we looked at the invitation God gave to Jeremiah, but here's another kind of open invitation in Isaiah 55, and it, I want to start in, in, in verse 3, and it says this, Incline your ear, this is God speaking, and come to me here, and you shall live. So God wants us to hear from heaven. Then in verse 7 it says, Let the wicked forsake his way, the right, unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord, and he'll have mercy on him, and to our God, for he'll abundantly pardon. And then God says these words in verse 8. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. Let me stop there for a moment and say, I've heard people use the scripture to say, You see, you will never understand God. Because his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. His ways are not your ways. They're far superior. But don't stop reading there. Because here's a, a, a very important message for us. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But listen to this. L look at verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. But, continue reading in verse 10, as the rain comes down and the snow, from where? From heaven. Where are God's thoughts? As high as the heavens. Where does the rain come from? From heaven. As the rain and snow uh, 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 come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth. His ways are up there in heaven. Our ways are down here. Our thoughts are on the earth. But it says, literally, if you read that scripture, God is raining down his thoughts. God wants you to receive it. You need to be that earth that will drink in uh, uh, the, the rain and, and the snow of, of God's word. You see, it's, it's like a television network. We cannot see it, but around us, signals are floating around in cyberspace. If you just think of, uh, of some broadcasting company, let me use DSTV, they're sending out signals 24-7. But some people do not receive them because they're not connected. And you see, God is the broadcaster. We have been designed as transmitters. You are the receiver. You have the ability to receive those signals. You just need to be plugged in, switched on, and tuned in. And then you can hear God's voice. 
I like what Jesus said in, in John 10. He speaks about the, the true shepherd, and then he says, I am that good shepherd. And then he, he says this in verse 3. He says, the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him for they know his voice. You can learn to know the voice of God. You can learn that. You can recognize that. It's very interesting. Uh, I watched a, a National Geographic program once on, on, on zebras. And they say when a, when a mother zebra gives birth to that baby, for a few seconds she tries to separate that baby from the rest of, of the herd. Because in those few moments, that baby zebra actually sees the fingerprint, the barcode <laughs> of those stripes. And, and it imprints on his mind, and he never forgets. He can recognize his mother in a whole herd of zebras. He actually uh, 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 learns uh, her smell, and he learns her voice at the same time. Now, I want to say this. If a zebra, which is close to a donkey, can do that, how much more can we learn to hear and recognize God's voice? The Bible promises it. He's the good shepherd. The third thing I want to say is this. Although God has a voice and you can hear his voice, we need to realize this. God communicates with us in different ways. And we should never prescribe to God how he should speak to us or communicate with us. We need to be ready and, and understand that God is a God of variety, He's a God of diversity, He's a God of creativity, and leave it up to Him to speak to you. It's His prerogative in the way that He wants to communicate with you. So here are some of the ways that God uh, could speak to us. Firstly, God could speak through nature. I like the scripture in Romans 1 and verse 20 in the New Living Translation. It says, ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities. We cannot see God, but you can see his qualities in nature. His eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Wow. If you are sensitive, you can learn something about God in nature. The seeing here speaks about perceiving. He, he emphasizes the fact of, of knowing God. So here, here's what I want to encourage you. Reflect on nature sometimes because there's a message for you. God will speak through nature. And it's amazing if you become sensitive what, what God will tell you. Here's one of my favorite Psalms of David in Psalm 19. It says this, the heavens declare. And what do they say? They declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There's no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Isn't that amazing? 
So nature speaks because God speaks through nature. I found these words spoken by a man called George Washington Carver. He was born as a slave in 1864, but he became a pioneer African-American agricultural scientist. And he said this, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour if we will only tune in. Hallelujah. But here's the problem with us city slickers. We become insensitive to nature. You have to have a breakaway sometime and, and have a, a reappreciation of nature. I'm so glad you re read that scripture about what Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 26. Look at the birds. Why look at the birds? Because there's a message. And here's the message. And Adrian, you so, so clearly gave it to us this morning. God will provide. And so take a, a nanosecond holiday and look at the birds. Appreciate nature. God will speak to you. He says in verse 28, consider the lilies. There's a message. God will clothe you. God will provide for you. God cares about you, and he cares for you. So here's my suggestion. When you get up in the morning, don't look in the mirror the first thing, because it could be scary. <laughs> look at the window. Look at the birds. Look at the flowers. And here's what it will say. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And God will provide in all my needs for that day. So don't look at yourself in the mirror. Don't look at your spouse in the bed. They probably don't look at their best that time in the morning. Sometimes you have to look at them and say, I love you by faith. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by the Word of God. <laughs> and we just need to, to become sensitive. Um, we were on, on Table Mountain once with, with some family of ours from Europe. And, and we went early in the morning. We packed a, a, a picnic basket for breakfast. And, and we were sitting just at the top where the cable car stops. There's a little area where you can... Um, where you can eat, and there was a little wall there that I was sitting on while we were enjoying breakfast. And I glanced just over the wall in the bushes there, under the bushes, there was almost hidden uh, a small tablet, slab of, of, of uh, stone. And some artist, in fact, painted on there and had Psalm 19 on there that we read earlier, the heavens declare. And then two other scriptures and then these words were written, and, and here's, imagine this, we were enjoying that panorama of land, sky, and sea, looking at God's wonderful uh, creation, and then these words struck me, it said this, the sun, moon, and stars are God's cosmic evangelists. How beautiful. And then at the bottom, these words, I do not have enough faith 
to be an atheist. <laughs> and, and that is so true. When you look at nature, it speaks, and it speaks about God's creative power. I remember seeing a cartoon uh, uh, once some years ago, and it was about an atheist uh, who wanted to proclaim his message, and he had made a sign that said, God is dead. And he was hammering that sign into the ground. And in the next picture, it showed him walking over the hill, and at the bottom of this pole of the sign, a little plant started growing. And then the series of pictures showed how the, the plant started uh, growing and enveloping the sign and covering one word of that sign. And in the last final picture, here's what the sign read, God is. Because it covered one word. And that's what nature will tell you. God is, and he's the God who will provide for you. Let me continue, otherwise I'll, I'll never finish. The second way that God could speak to you is God could speak to you through your experiences, through your circumstances. And it could become a learning experience. And this might not sound very exciting, but God doesn't always speak in a spectacular way. I, I'll never forget, and, and here's what I want to say again. Sometimes we become so insensitive, God can speak to you in the most unlikely ways. We were shopping in, I think it was Clearwater Mall, and when we finished, and I had to go and pay at the, at the station there. Uh, I put my, my parking ticket in, and on the screen, it actually spoke to me. And it said on the screen, change is possible. <laughs> and I said, thank you, God. <laughs> I know I have to change. I have to keep on changing. And so God can speak to you in such unlikely ways. When, when I was preparing for the ministry uh, I'll never forget there was one particular day when they gave opportunity for all the students to give their, their testimony of how they heard from God and responded to his call. And there were some amazing testimonies. One guy saw a light. The other one got a prophecy. The other one actually uh, heard some kind of a voice. And I sat there listening to these testimonies and I felt so uncalled. I've never seen a light or heard a voice. And then I realized this. God doesn't always speak in a spectacular way. And I remember the words of Kenneth Hagin. He said this. Sometimes we miss the supernatural in looking for the spectacular. Because when God speaks, it might not be spectacular, but it's always supernatural. And I'll be honest with you, and I'm going to speak about that a little bit later. If an angel should appear to me, angels were, were big, powerful creatures in the Bible. They were, in a sense, scary. People fell on their faces when they saw angels. If an angel appears to, to me, it's kind of easy to obey. But it takes a big chunk of faith to just listen when God doesn't speak in a spectacular way. And that is the basis of the New Testament. The just shall live by faith. Amen. 
And we need to be sensitive to that. So God can speak to, through your experience. Sometimes God speaks through natural progression. Uh, he uses natural progression to lead you supernaturally. I quite often say this to Bible school students who, are, who may not be sure of their calling and their purpose, their assignment, and I, it doesn't even sound spiritual to say this. I, I say to them, just start doing something, and then I give them this advice, and I don't find this in Scripture, but I think it's in line with Scripture. The more you do what you know, the more you will know what to do. Just do something. Because God will then speak to you through natural progression. I'm so glad you spoke about moving chairs. And we had the same discussion upstairs there. You might be a mountain mover one day, but you don't know right now how to move mountains. But you do know how to move chairs. Become a chairperson. Move the chairs. <laughs> and the, <laughs> the more you do what you know, the more you will know what to do. Because that's how God leads you. Start with small things. Be faithful in those small things. Francis of Assisi said these uh, words. He said, start by doing what is necessary and then what is possible and suddenly you'll be doing the impossible. And that's how God progressively leads you. If you're struggling to hear from God, start doing something for his kingdom. <laughs> and he'll speak to you. The third way that God speaks to us is through his written word. And that's why I'm quoting so much of scripture to you today. Because God's written word is given. And, and Paul gives this advice to Timothy, a young preacher in 1 Timothy 4.13. He says, focus on reading the scriptures to the church. I'm concerned when I go to some, to some churches and, and the Bible is not even mentioned. It's God's Word that can speak to us, that can encourage and teach us. Second Timothy, more advice to this young preacher. Chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God, is useful for teaching the truth, rebuking error, correcting faults, and giving instruction for right living. Go and read that scripture again and see what, what God says. And God will often reveal mysteries, hidden things to you in his written word. In Ephesians 3, Paul speaks about how God himself revealed his mysterious plan to him. And then he says, as you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. So God can use scripture. Number four, God could speak to you through other people. If you um, uh, continue reading in Ephesians, you'll find in chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that Christ gave, let me call them preaching gifts, speaking gifts, communicating gifts. He gave the fivefold ministry gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? To equip you. How does he equip you? By speaking his word. So God will use these fivefold ministry gifts. But let me say this God can use anyone else. Just be alert, be sensitive. 
And as much as God can use the, the most unlikely circumstances to speak to you, sometimes God will use unlikely people to speak to you. When uh, the religious people plotted to kill Jesus, God actually used an unbelieving high priest, uh, Caiaphas, to prophesy. Go and read about this in, in John 11, and it says that, that he, Caiaphas, spoke up, and, and, and he said these words in verse 50. He says, you do not realize that it's better for you that one man die for the people than that the whole nation perish. And then John continues and he says, and, and, and let me use my own words, Caiaphas didn't make this up. He was the high priest. Although he was unbelieving, God actually caused him to prophesy because it was better for one man, Jesus, to die than for everyone else to die. Isn't that amazing that God can use an unbelieving person And if you, if you um, read a little bit further in, in, in John 18 and John 19 during the trial of, of Jesus, God used a pagan Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, to make a, a, a declaration of an important truth. Three times he said this, I find no fault in him. He had to affirm that Jesus was the spotless, blameless Lamb of God. So how, how amazing is that? God can use, use anyone. In fact, he used a donkey to speak to Balaam. Just be sensitive. Another way that God could speak to us is through a vision or a dream. And we all know what a dream is. A vision is just an awake dream. And God can speak to you through that. And, and there are many instances we know in the Old Testament, God gave Joseph uh, dreams and, and also gave him the interpretation of those dreams. And God hasn't changed yet. If he could speak to Joseph, he could speak to Josephine today. <laughs> Amen. And I like this scripture in, uh, in the book of Acts because it speaks about divine dreams and visions. In Acts 2.17, it says, In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my Spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. Colin, I think we kind of in between the visions and dreams stage. <laughs> but, but here's what God says. He confirms that God can speak to you through a vision. Or through a dream. Now let me, let me just throw this in at no extra cost. <laughs> Not every dream is a message from God. That dream you had was not prophetic. It was just pepperoni pizza. Too much of that. And here's another thing that I want, want to warn you against. Now I was actually shocked when I walked into a Christian bookshop I think a month ago. And, and they have one shelf with all their bestsellers. And what was the number one bestseller? A book on how to interpret dreams. Not every image, every object that you see in a dream can have the same meaning all the time. Because this was what this book was all about. If you dream about a frog, it means this every time. But then it qualifies. What color was the frog? And... Did the frog look left or was it facing right? 
The Greek word for that is rubbish. <laughs> Don't be fooled and, and, and go and buy those books. Rather depend on the Holy Spirit for the interpretation of that dream. God could speak to us, here's the next thing, using an angel. The, the Hebrew word for angel is malak. The Greek word is angelos. Both those words, if we translate them correctly, actually mean messenger. So if an angel is, an, is a messenger, God could give a message to me through an angel. And again, I want to say, that's his prerogative. Don't wait for an angel before you do anything. I remember a, a, a pastor that you will know very well. We worked with him. One day said, don't wait for the angel Gabriel to tap you on the shoulder and say, you are called. You need to be sensitive. But God can use an angel. Uh, and again, I, I want to say, it's fairly easy when a big angel appears to you to obey. But it takes faith to obey that small voice. I'll come back to this a little bit later. Acts 5, uh, an interesting scripture. When the apostles landed in prison, it says an angel of the Lord opened the prison of the doors, brought them out, and said, and listen to the words, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this, of this life. Now, here's, here's something we, we need to make clear. Angels are messengers, but they've never been called to preach the gospel. They had an opportunity here to go and tell the people. Can you imagine what response they would have been if the angels appeared in temple? But who was given the mandate to preach the gospel? Believers. Angels cannot preach the gospel because they don't know the joy of salvation. They don't know what it is to be lost and to be found by His grace. So it's our uh, mandate. Number seven, God could speak through a sign, some external sign, some manifestation. In 1 Corinthians 14, 22, it says tongues. When somebody speaks in an unknown tongue, he says those tongues are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. And then going back to Acts where uh, uh, they heard tongues for the first time. It says uh, that some visitors to Jerusalem from many regions who have not yet heard the gospel, they were amazed, they were astonished because they heard them speak in their own language and, and it says they were amazed and perplexed. So here's what God will often do through a sign. A sign will make people perplexed. They'll be amazed. They will wonder. That's why it's called a wonder, because a wonder makes you wonder. And they ask questions so that God's word could reach them. So God will often use a sign for unbelievers. And I like what, what John Osteen, the father of Joel Osteen, used to say. He used to say, signs, wonders, miracles are just God's dinner bell, but the word is the meat. So God will often draw people. And let me, let me also say this. As believers, don't always just seek signs. I, this is probably confession time for me, but, but I remember one particular time 
when I was in a denomination, I got a call from another church where there was a vacancy, and they wanted me to become the pastor. I, it was the day that we were leaving on holiday, and I didn't want to take this burden with me. So I said to him, listen, I know I cannot accept this call because I'm here where God wants me. And he said, no, please pray about this. I said, I'm going on holiday. He said, please. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll give it a few days. <laughs> Cora reminded me on holiday after three or four days. She says, have you prayed about this? Have you let the guy? I said to her, I know what I'm supposed to do. She said, but you promised the guy to go pray. So I actually went early in the morning and I went to the beach. There was this big flat rock under me and the crabs were running around. And you know what crabs are like? When you, they see a slight movement, they, they run and they hide. And I, I, I was speaking to God and I actually had the audacity to say this. I'm confessing that I'm ashamed of this. I said, God, I know that I'm not supposed to, but please give me a sign. I said, let, if I'm not supposed to go, let seven crabs come sit here <laughs> on this flat stone in front of me. I did not even communicate that out loud. I just thought this. When I thought it, it's like seven crabs came running. And you know what? I counted them like this. They never ran away. When I counted seven, they rushed off. Now, I'll be honest with you. I do not even think that I can work with God on that level anymore. Because the just shall live by faith, not by signs. The just shall live by faith, not by crabs. Not by fleeces. So we need to live by faith. But if God wants to use a sign, he will do it. Leave it up to him. God could speak to us the next thing through the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I, I don't have time to, to speak on that, but you can go and study 1 Corinthians 12 and you will see that you're actually able to divide the nine gifts of the Spirit into three categories. Demonstration gifts that supernaturally do something. Revelation gifts that supernaturally show something. And communication gifts that supernaturally say something. And God wants to communicate with us through those gifts. Number nine, God could speak in an audible voice. We find an example of that at the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 17. That God actually spoke in an audible voice and the disciples heard it. But it's not always an audible voice. I heard about a man in, in northern Europe where the winters really become fierce and rivers and lakes freeze over, and um, I'm sure you've seen programs where they go fishing and they cut a hole in the ice. And so this was, was what this guy was, was trying to do. So he cut a hole in the ice, and um, as soon as he did that, he heard this booming voice that said, you will not find any fish in that hole. And he looked around, and he was so scared, so he moved a few meters away, cut another hole in the ice, and again, this voice, there's no fish where you are. So he moved again a few meters, cut another hole, and, and, and again this voice came, stop trying, you will not find any fish. So he decided this time to respond, and he said, Lord, please show me, where do you want me to go? And the voice came back and said, this is not the Lord 
This is a PA system, and I am the manager of the ice rink. <laughs> I like the story. <laughs> because sometimes we're waiting for an audible voice. But let me again say, it takes a big chunk of faith to listen to that small inner voice. So that's the last thing I want to communicate with you, that God could speak to you through that small inner voice in your spirit. Hallelujah. Maybe I should just, again, make a confession here. It was at a time where, where we wanted to go to Bible school. We were already pastoring for six years, and I knew that if I go to this Bible school, it would not be well received by the leadership in that denomination. So I desperately had to phone someone to just give me a word from the Lord whether I should go to this Bible school. And the only person I trusted who was part of that denomination at that time was Reinhard Bonke. So because we had a relationship with him, we used to, to sing in his crusades, and um, I phoned his office and I said, could I please speak to him? They said to me, I'm sorry, he's in, in Australia. So the lady knew us. I said, listen, I'm desperate. It's like life and death for me. Can you give me his number where he's staying? So she gave me the hotel number, and I worked out the time difference. I phoned him early in the morning, and I, he was quite surprised to hear. And, and I said to him, listen, do you have a word for me? This is what we want to do. He knew nothing about this church or the Bible school. And he said to me, give me an hour to pray, and then phone me back. It was a very long hour to wait. I phoned him back after an hour. I said, I'm so eager. Do you have a word from the Lord for me? He says, yes. He says, the Lord says, you have the Holy Spirit. You make the decision. <laughs> I thanked him as politely as I could. <laughs> But I was very disappointed, put the phone down, and it took me a while to realize it's not that man of God that couldn't hear from God. It's this man who couldn't hear from God. Made the decision three months later, for the first time he was invited by this church, and after the service, we were, we were there, and he came to me. He said, I see you made your decision. Are you happy? <laughs> I said, yes, I am. He said, now, here's what I want to tell you. If I told you, I could have told you, but if tough times came, and they did come, you could have said, Reinhardt said, I must be here. But now you know God said. And it's one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got in ministry. You have the Holy Spirit. Listen to that still, small, inner prompting in your spirit. Uh, le let me conclude because... I'm going way over my time here. I want to uh, uh, give you the last principle. So God speaks to us in different ways, but I want to say that your heart can hear God's voice. Your heart. Because that's the primary way that God speaks to you. I said I want to come back to this later. Now this is later. Listen to this scripture, Romans 8, 14 and 16. It says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are, these are the sons of God. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. 
Here's what I learned. If God speaks to you in your spirit, and that's where he speaks, that's where the spirit lives. If you have a desire in your heart, let me put it that way, and it's a good desire, it's not evil, it's not contrary to the word. If it's good, see it as a green light. That's how I, I, I started following God. I saw it as a green light. I said, God, I'm going to go. It's something good. I'm going to do it. If you want to stop me, change the color. Change it to amber or to red. Because the sons of God, the mature sons of God, are led by the Spirit of God. I'm going to skip over uh, a lot of verses that I still wanted to share with you, but I'm going to get to Colossians 3, and um, in verse 16 it says, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom, and then going back to verse 15 it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, if you read that from the Amplified, it brings out the true meaning of the word because the Greek word that is used there actually means let the peace of God act as an umpire, a referee, a judge in, in, in your heart. So here's how you can test whether it is God speaking. Do you have peace? Not is everything rosy because it could be chaos on the outside. But if you have peace on the inside, you are on the right road. That's how you, you test it, because you need to be led. Let the peace of God make the decisions. Be the umpire in, 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 in your heart. Uh, Adrian, just give me five more minutes. Is that okay? Let me, let me share this with you. In the second chapter of Colossians, and, and by the way, that word, Greek word, only appears once. In the second uh, chapter of Colossians, there's a similar word, but this time it's intensified. Because there's a prefix that actually makes it intensive, and it actually says this. Let me read it to you from the Amplified, Colossians 2.18. Let no one defraud you by acting as an umpire and declaring you unworthy and disqualifying you for the prize insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he claims he has seen, vainly puffed up by his sensuous notice and inflated by his unspiritual thoughts and fleshly conceit. So here's what Paul warns, and he warns us. He says, some people may act in a super-spiritual way as if they are the ones called to make decisions about your life. And they will claim, I've seen visions. They will claim to be prophetic when they are pathetic. <laughs> and their self-styled spirituality, they base on that, but they actually egotistical, unspiritual, and carnal. They get carnal gratification out of spiritual manipulation and, and, and so on. Don't ever allow such people to govern your life to determine your value. Don't listen to them. Listen to God. Let the peace of God be the umpire, not anyone else. Go and read the history of Solomon and one key moment in life where God gave him carte blanche and he said, whatever you want, you can ask it now. He didn't ask for riches. He didn't ask for power. He didn't ask for a long life. He asked, and I know you'll say he asked for wisdom, truth, 
But go and, if you go and read it in the, in the Hebrew, it actually says, God, give me an understanding heart. Give me a listening heart. Give me a heart with ears. And there's one prayer that you can pray for 2019. is God, give me a heart with ears. I want to hear your voice. I want to live not by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Let's stand.